0: Hello, and welcome to United Health Group's three part series on healthcare policy, where we're taking a deep dive into A Path Forward. It's a set of policy solutions released by United Health Group that offer a refreshed perspective for how to modernize the health system to achieve universal coverage, make healthcare affordable by accelerating value based care and reforming prescription drug pricing, and transform the healthcare experience by focusing on equity and addressing disparities. You can download the full document at www.uhg.com slash a path forward. Today, we're going to be discussing expanding access to achieve universal coverage. Access to healthcare is a fundamental part of a modern high-performing health system. A recent report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services shows that the uninsured rate in the United States has fallen to a record low of 8%. But that still leaves 29 million people without healthcare coverage. However, by building on the existing health system, universal coverage can be achieved to ensure everyone has access to affordable, quality care. Joining us today is Brian Thompson, CEO of United Healthcare, and Christy Henderson, CEO of Optum EveryCare, to discuss how to achieve universal coverage in the United States. Brian, Christy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Thanks, Evan. Glad to be here. Uh, as you both know. Access to
0: care has been a really essential policy focus within the U.S. health system for decades, uh, and though the challenges have certainly evolved over that time, um, how is access different today than it was before the Affordable Care Act was signed into law ten plus years ago?
2: Yeah, I and mean, thanks for the question. I would say this has been a focus for United Health Group for many, many years. Uh, how it's evolved, I would say, the conversation used to be solely around coverage. Essentially, do you have insurance? Uh, That conversation is certainly still happening. As you pointed out, 29 million Americans without coverage. But I do think that the conversation is a little more nuanced today. Uh, Exchanges, as an example, have really been established as a great source of uh, coverage for many Americans via the Affordable Care Act. Uh, And it's really grown into a viable marketplace for affordable coverage and in addition to that state medicaid programs uh, have always been a crucial source of coverage uh, and that's certainly rung true here during the pandemic what we've seen is a a big growth in the number of people covered under medicaid since the public health emergency uh, in uh, early 2020 so ultimately our focus is still on working towards universal coverage uh, by building on these existing platforms like the exchanges and like medicaid uh, that we already have in the marketplace today
1: Yeah, I'd love to jump in there and build off of what BT said. You know, we certainly have seen the ways people access the healthcare system evolving with just this increased adoption of virtual care tools. Virtual care really was bred out of the need for us to improve access to care, first in the underserved areas and and rural areas. But what we've seen over the last few years with the pandemic has really taken it to a whole nother level. We saw that necessity drive the acceleration of that innovation. And just really in a matter of weeks, we saw the front door of healthcare change. The entry point was now a digital front door that started with a virtual visit and then would move on to in-person as needed. And so that was a good thing. That that, uh, necessity drove a lot of innovation and an immersion into the virtual world and highlighted really the art of the possible. So today we're seeing that carry over into a blended healthcare model that uses virtual and in person where people are really getting to choose uh, how they access care. So it's not just about availability, it's about options and flexibility.
0: Mhm. Uh, Brian, you mentioned uh, Medicaid, uh, which certainly from a coverage standpoint has, has been a critical program uh, over the last several years, particularly during the pandemic, uh, and just ensuring that uh, you know millions of Americans uh, have that health coverage. How has that program provided access to care for low-income Americans over that last two to three-year time period?
2: Yeah, as you, as you pointed out, Medicaid has been an important part and a fabric of American healthcare for many years. But since the start of the pandemic, let's go back to around March 2020. Since then, we've seen about 17 million more people covered under Medicaid. And I believe Medicaid enrollment now is nearing 90 million across America. It's up about 25% just since the beginning of the pandemic. And one of the reasons for that is as part of the federal response to COVID-19 and the pandemic, Congress provided states with extra Medicaid funding if they stopped disenrolling medicaid enrolling uh enrollees during the public health emergency and as you fast forward then these last two years those temporary requirements are still in place and Uh, The concern, however, is that once this public health emergency ends, states will reinitiate coverage redeterminations. And our fear is that as many as maybe 14 to 15 million people are expected to lose coverage that are currently enrolled because of those extensions that were granted uh, throughout the pandemic. So the real question then becomes, what happens to those people? Uh, We believe that there's a really big opportunity To help these people maintain or get new coverages in other forms, either through the exchange or through employer sponsored coverage. So, we're actively working with policymakers to find solutions to prevent, at least stop that potential for so many people to lose their coverage as this public health emergency uh, expires.
0: Uh, One issue I I sort of wanted to touch on, and maybe somewhat related to to that Medicaid program, is is the issue of health disparities and health equity. Um, And I'm curious, you know, how does access play a role in the disparities we see across the health system today? And uh, Christy, in particular, how does that converge with access to virtual services specifically?
1: Yeah, well, in today's world, access is really more than just getting access to care, but it's also having convenient access when and where you are. And so that means being able to conveniently access medical, behavioral, specialty, and even pharmacy care in person as well as virtually. That really gives people the ability to access care uh, wherever they are and so then it's not limited to location. So that's really been our focus when we launched Optum Every Care Now in April to provide more connection points between virtual and in-person with convenient 24-7 access in one place. Optum EveryCare now actually uh, is now serving 16 million United Healthcare commercial members for virtual urgent care, and just under 13 million members for virtual primary care. And so, when you think about your question around health disparities, I would just uh, give you two examples. If you think about transportation as being one disparity around access to care virtual allows us to have access from wherever anybody is. We have clinicians available virtually across all 50 states, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So people can get that access without ever leaving their home. Or if you think about access to primary care, Americans are currently waiting upwards of 30 days on average to see a primary care physician and with our Optum Every Care Now program with virtual primary care we have access 24-7 to clinicians within a matter of 15 minutes. So those are really breaking down just two examples of disparities that virtual care can address.
2: Christy I might just pile on there those are great examples and what it really does is it points out this relationship between access and health equity current reality is just far too many people experience barriers to health like poverty and, as you mentioned, Christy, transportation, food insecurity, education, safe housing. That's just a a few of the barriers. And our efforts are really focused on providing actionable insights to better understand these unmet social needs and the gaps in care that arise from them. And I think how we're helping to connect older adults in our Medicare Advantage programs To help them stay healthy is one good example and uh, I'll point to um, a county in the uh, southeast U.S. where we saw a significant racial disparity in medication adherence folks not taking the drugs that they've been prescribed and what we found is that those members were engaging in preventative care such as cancer screenings and the like but it wasn't that they weren't interacting with the health system it was tied much more to the social barriers that population faced to stay adherent once they had actually seen their doctor. And what we did is we stood up a program that combined medication adherence support with outreach to address these social needs. And in a really short period of time, about six months, we saw adherence rates jump considerably up 50% in this geography or community. And it's just one way that if we look a little more broadly, we can see what's impacting people's health and really take efforts to impact a community at whole. And we saw the same impact on an even larger scale through our house calls program which also provides members with in-home visits to address unmet pharmacy behavioral and social needs in addition to obviously uh, a full review medical real, review very similar to an annual wellness visit and uh, last year i think we made more than 320,000 social determinant of health referrals through that program for things like low income support transportation and food insecurity so even beyond just our Medicare Advantage members. We're looking at this issue as an opportunity to collaborate with local community partners.
0: Uh, So last month, uh, this is very timely, Congress passed uh, legislation designed to tackle um, at least one issue around access by extending the subsidies for ACA marketplace plans uh, beyond 2022 and through 2025. Uh, And Brian, so I'm curious from your perspective, what impact uh, will that have?
2: Yeah, that's right. In August, Congress passed and uh, President Biden uh, signed into law what's called the Inflation Reduction Act. Those enhanced payments or subsidies, if you will were initially put into place here during the pandemic in what we called the American Rescue Plan Act uh, in 2021. And it really increased the amount of financial help that those that are already eligible for subsidies and expanded new financial assistance to middle-income families to help them purchase health insurance through the exchange. Now, these same subsidies, they were set to expire here at the end of the year. And what this law did is it really brought that continuation of coverage into play here from, uh, through 2025. And I believe had this not been extended, something like 13 or 14 million Americans would have seen a substantial change in the affordability of these plans. They would have, uh, would have went up by as much as maybe 50% for some. So getting this bill in place really protects a large number of Americans and provides them that access with the additional subsidies for, uh, for several more years. We certainly support efforts to Permanently extend these subsidies, and believe this is really a great step in the right direction to ensure that people continue to have access to affordable coverage.
0: Well, you know, you've both been around the the healthcare industry for for some time now. Um, I'm curious, where have you seen sort of the meaningful innovation, the new models um, that make you, you know, proud, hopeful for some of the opportunities ahead? And Christy, I would love to start with you on that.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, you know, the healthcare system responded to and evolved its entire model of care delivery throughout the pandemic, and it was incredible. our Our goal is to continue that momentum that really became the silver lining out of the pandemic, to continue to innovate to help improve access to high quality care for more people. So we were really proud that last year we partnered with United Healthcare and launched a virtual health plan called Navigate Now. It's a virtual first health plan that provides members with the personalized virtual care that they need with a personalized virtual care team. The care team coordinates their care, not only virtually, but in person with local providers and clinics. And that's just one way that that innovation has opened the door to more affordable coverage options for more people.
2: Yeah, well said, Christy. Maybe I'll just add on to that. Look, we get it. Our our health system is not perfect, but we do believe that the infrastructure that we have here in America is sound and the core componentry that I believe is needed to expand access and ultimately achieve universal coverage is in place. And if we build on that existing infrastructure, we can help even more, especially when there is room to innovate inside these existing coverage platforms. And I look at our surest, health plans is another great example of that innovation that we have. This is a product that was initially introduced about five or six years ago. Uh, It was formerly known as Bind. We've renamed it Surest now. It's got the fastest growth rate among all of our employer-sponsored plans. I think it's grown by 60 to 70 percent each and every year. What makes it different is that it doesn't have any deductibles, it doesn't have any confusing co-insurance, it's really clear and transparent around the cost and the quality that really helps members understand their costs before they make an appointment, and it truly puts the consumer in that driver's seat of making the choice around their own care plans, and it's also remarkably affordable when you have that accountable consumer in the center. Out-of-pocket costs, as an example, are down by almost half compared to some alternative higher deductible health plans. Today, about nearly half of all Americans have coverage through their employer and responding to the demands of the, work, of the workforce, to the increasing costs. Employers are looking for different ways to do things. They're looking for innovative coverage solutions that meet the needs of their employees. And I think this product, again, Surest, is a good example of meeting those needs at lower price points that really put that consumer in the driver's seat.
0: Great. Well, listen, thank you both for joining today uh, to discuss this important topic. I know you've both worked in this field for a long time, so I really appreciate your your time and thoughts.
1: But you bet. Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Christy. Thank you. That's it for our first episode on United Health Group's policy solutions to modernize the health system. To learn more, download A Path Forward at www.uhg.com slash apathforward. And join us next week for a conversation on how to lower the cost of care and improve healthcare affordability. Thanks for listening
2: and have a great rest of your week.